I'm sorry you've had to put up with me already for 45 minutes or so this morning, 50 minutes, and now you got to put up with me a little bit longer. But uh, one someday in the near, not too distant future, you, you, the Lord's going to deliver you from having to put up with me that long, Amen. And so I believe God's going to help help us with that. Um, but today I believe the Lord has a word for us this morning. So I want you to stand with us in reverence to the reading of God's holy word, Psalms 105. Psalms 105, and, and we're going to be referencing Genesis chapter 37 as well. Genesis chapter 37. Uh, I don't know that we'll go there and read. We may, yes, we may go there here in just a moment. Psalms 105, verse 11. If you're there, shout a great big amen. Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land, and he brake the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt. and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Just put your marker there. We're going to come back there shortly. But I want you to go with me now to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Genesis 37, and here in this passage of, of Genesis, just to bring you just a little bit up to speed, Jacob has now had a son by the name of Joseph. Joseph is now 17 years old. Joseph has become favored by his father, and he's given a coat of many colors. He wears that coat of many colors, and God begins to have favor on Joseph. Joseph has dreams. The dreams basically interpreted to be that Joseph would one day rule over his brethren and rule over his family. And so Joseph uh, be began to have conflict, not of his own doings, but conflict between his brethren to the point that they really couldn't stand him. They called him the dreamer. Matter of fact, in verse number 19, it says, When they saw him coming, they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Now, I want us to, to look, if we can, verse number 23. The Bible says, tell you what, let's go ahead and read verse 20. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will, we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, 
that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. How many of you know the devil wants to strip you of your garments today? They stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. And there, then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. I want to stop right there. I want us to back up. I'm trying to find exactly the point. Look, look, verse 28. Then there passed by Midianite merchants, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. They drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit. I want to talk to you for a little while today on the thought, a rope of hope. A rope of hope. Help me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, I just humble myself right now in this moment before you. I know I'm nothing. I know, Lord, I can do nothing without the anointing of your Spirit. I ask, O Lord, one more time to clothe me in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I ask you one more time, Lord, to let the unction of the Holy Ghost be present and speak in this place today. I ask you, Lord, to let folks this morning leave different than they walked in. Let there be men and women, young men and young ladies, Lord, that will be drawn out and lifted up out of the pit and out of the prison. I pray, Almighty God, that they will come to a place of promotion in their spiritual lives, that they'll come to a place of freedom in their souls today. I plead the blood over the remainder of this service. I bind you, devil. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. And I claim the liberty of the Holy Ghost here right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you and you alone be seen and be glorified. Have your way, and we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Don't sit down because I feel led to do something real quick. I know we always have a time of fellowship at the beginning of service, but some have slipped in after service started. And so I want us to, and I want you to help me do this now because I don't want to take a long time. But I want to take about two minutes, two minutes for you to cross the aisle for just a second. And I want you to find somebody and tell them, grab the rope of hope. Grab the rope of hope. Go see somebody you hadn't talked to yet. Go see somebody in fellowship, but tell them, grab the rope of hope. Grab the rope of hope. Come on, tell somebody this morning.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor, ask him, are you good? Now tell him back, I'm real good. I am real good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Chad. The rope of hope. I, I Today, I, man, I, as I've dug more into this story and into this passage, the Lord has just revealed some things to me that I want to bring to you today. This should be a very familiar story, but I don't want to take for granted this morning that there are some that have never read this, that have never heard this. Maybe you weren't raised in church, and so I want us to just expound on it for a little bit today if we can. Will you jump in this with me this morning, and let's have church together. Amen? As we look at this passage of Scripture, first of all, in Genesis 37, we find this story as we've shared about Joseph being born, and he was one of the youngest of the children. He wasn't the youngest. He was the next to the youngest. But, but Joseph, at 17 years old, God began to prepare him for his future. All of our teenagers, I want you to hear that, and I want you to understand that God begins, even when you're young, to try to prepare you for what he has for you. So listen as the Holy Spirit deals with you. He was favored by his father. He had this coat of many colors on, and it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be like the coat of many colors necessarily that Dolly Parton sings about, okay? It was patches of color that were sewn together, that were put together, that were on this coat, and, and it was one that it did represent that of favor and prestige. His brethren couldn't, it couldn't stand to see him in it. How many of you know the adversary cannot stand the favor of God that is on your life? Amen? He can't stand to see you that way. Just as Joseph's brothers were jealous, the devil is even jealous of the time you get to spend in the presence of God, of you worshiping the Lord. That's why he tries to stop you from doing it. In verse 18 of chapter 37, we find that Joseph's brethren began to conspire against him. They wanted to kill him and to cast him into a pit. His oldest brother Reuben began to advocate for Joseph's life. And he, he said, you know, let's not, let's not kill him and throw him in the pit. Let's, you know, we'll just, we'll just uh, put him in a pit, but we're not going to kill him. And so he was able to convince them of this. And they put him in this pit. And the Bible says that it was an empty pit and there was no water in the pit. We find as we move a little bit further that what happened was his brethren in there, just in the apathy that they were in, the, just the, the pure hatred that was in their heart for Joseph, they sat down and started having a little barbecue and started eating and just fellowshipping. And, and all of a sudden there was one that speaks up by the name of Judah. And Judah began to say, hey, what profit is it going to give us for, for our brother, for us to put our hands on him and for him to die? You know, why don't we sell him to these Ishmaelites that are coming across the land? And so that is exactly what they did. And we read of that in, in Psalms chapter 105 even where it says that God sent a man that was sold into slavery. And so they drew Joseph up out of a pit and they sold him, this pit being that of a this empty place. How many of you ever been in an empty place in your life? Ever, ever been in a dry place in your life? 
It was from that pit, that, that dark place that he was in, that he was sold into slavery and his future became uncertain. He was sold to the Ishmaelites, which interesting, it's interesting to me that that very name means God will hear. Ever been in a situation that you just couldn't understand why am I having to go through this? Why am I having to face this? I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I shouldn't be having to walk through this. I shouldn't be in a pit and I flat sure shouldn't be sold to the Ishmaelites. But even in the midst of all of it, God wants to send you a message that he hears you and he sees you right where you are. If you're thankful for that, shout amen. The Ishmaelites bought him for 20 pieces of silver. In contrast, we see Jesus was bought for 30 pieces of silver. The Ishmaelites were carrying, the, the Bible says, spices and balm and myrrh to the land of Egypt. These three things combined were used in the process of embalming in Egypt. So the message even that is being sent unto Joseph is not only are you coming out of the pit and in the slavery, but you're going to die in the land of Egypt. That's how the devil works. He wants to take you from the pit, a low place, a dark place, a dry place, into a place of bondage in your life that ultimately you die where you're at and you're not able to see what God has said you would experience. Reuben tried to save him. He went back at a later time to save Joseph, but God wouldn't allow it. Now, I know that's hard to stomach today because we all like to think that God would not allow us to go through some things. He wouldn't allow us to go through troubles. He wouldn't allow us to face difficulties. But we can find as we read from the book of Job that when Job was tried, it was a direct result of God asking Satan the question, have you considered my servant Job? Why? Because God said he was perfect and upright in all of his ways. The reality today is God is trying to prepare us and to mold us into who he would have us be. I've said it before. Some have even responded to me with this same context over the last week and a half that if we never faced the battle, we wouldn't know the victory. If we never got sick, we wouldn't know him as the healer. If we never went through a valley, how would we ever see him revealed in our life as the shepherd? And it was through this that God allowed in, in Joseph's life that he was divinely positioning him for greatness. I know oftentimes we look and we say and the devil beats us up and gets us down and discouraged because we begin to feel like God isn't for us and God has left us and, and we're in this battle because of something we've done wrong when oftentimes the reason the devil is fighting you is not because of what you've done wrong but it's because of what you've done right. Do you hear me? And the devil will fight and he'll come against you because God sees something in you and God's got a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. We find as Joseph goes with the Ishmaelites that he ends up in Potiphar's house. I don't have time to read all these passages, so read it from Genesis chapter 37 moving forward. He become a servant in Potiphar's house, the captain 
of the king's guard. Anybody else hot? Help me, Jesus. Okay. Amen. If you're not hot, then scoot over beside somebody that is and just sit there. Amen. <laughs> It'll be like a coal on the fire. Glory to God. Amen. Listen to me. See, he became a, a servant in the house of Potiphar. And everywhere Joseph went, God just blessed him. Everywhere he went, God's favor was upon him. And even in Potiphar's house, he was placed over the entire house. Genesis 39 and 6 tells us that he was placed over the Potiphar's house. And matter of fact, the only thing that Joseph declares that Potiphar had kept from him was his wife. You see, you must understand that in the midst of God's favor, there will always come adversity. In the midst of God's promotion, there will, all, will always come a devil that is meant to bring rejection into your life. Joseph faced this by way of temptation. He faced this in Potiphar's wife. And the Bible says in chapter 39, verses 7 through 20, that when everybody else was gone from the house, that she tried to get Joseph, as the King James puts it, to lie with her. And Joseph refused to lie with her and said, I cannot do this thing. And basically he was saying that, 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 that Potiphar, her husband, had given everything into his hands except for her. And he would not do it. It would, it would compromise his integrity. And so she grabbed a hold of his coat. And as he was trying to escape from her, he literally left his coat in her hands. And because of that, she began to lie on him and falsely accused him of saying that he had attempted to lie with her and as a result Potiphar had him put in prison in the king's prison which is an important thing to note now originally in my notes I had written down that he was falsely in prison I scratched through that brother Marshall he was falsely accused but he was rightly imprisoned. I know that's hard to swallow, but many times when we face things, we need to remember that it's not about us, that God is getting us prepared and ready for something. He's working in us so he can work something out of us, so he can work something through us. Are you hearing me? And Joseph was rightly imprisoned, and even in prison, God favored him and God blessed him and promoted him to the place that he was the head trustee. He was over all the prison. If there had been a chain gang, he'd have been the main one. He was promoted even in prison. Now we read in, in Psalms chapter 105 and I want to make a side note here about his prison experience that the psalmist says that he was shackled in fetters and they hurt his feet. And an iron, and, and it, it, he was laid in iron. And see, we have to dig deep into that part to understand what that is meaning. Shackled in his, in his feet in fetters and they hurt his feet. Understand that here he was, the road that he had walked up to this point. The, the, the path that he had taken up to this point, there was still a dream in his heart, Stetson, that God is going to use me, that God has a purpose and a plan, that after a while of adversity, how many of you know the devil will get you to the place that you can barely stand to put one foot in front of the other because of the hurt and the pain that is on the inside? 
you just don't know if you can go any further. Anybody understand what I'm talking about today? And then it says that he was laid in iron. Some translations uh, translate that as an iron collar that was put around his neck. If you can imagine that, many times as we've seen it in movies, we'd see the iron collar would be attached to chains on the hands, which in turn would be attached to chains on the feet. But like a dog, he was placed in this iron collar and it was there, this iron collar was doing all it could to choke out the hope and to choke out the dream and to choke out the vision. Any of you know what it's like when the devil's just trying to choke you out by circumstances and situations and troubles and battles? But one translation, actually the Young's literal translation, it says that the iron entered into his soul. The iron wasn't just on his flesh, but it entered into his soul. The hurt and the pain began to run deep into the recesses of Joseph's heart. Do I don't believe it hardened him towards God. If anything, I believe what was shackling him on the outside created a resolute on the inside that said that those dreams were not for nothing. I might not have any Anything else to hold on to but I'm going to hold on to the dreams God's given me and I'm going to believe by faith that what he's put in me he's going to bring it to pass in the name of Jesus but see it was in the prison that God began to bring these connections these kingdom connections in his life because there were two individuals that were placed in prison at the same time that Joseph was the king's baker and the king's butler. See, God will bring people into your life. Jensen Franklin said it this way years and years ago, that God will bring people into your life like a baker that can come alongside you that are able to, to make something out of nothing and God will show you how God wants to use you. He'll bring the butlers into your life that are able to open the doors for you to step into your destiny. And what happened was one night, the same night, stay with me, both of these men had a dream and Joseph began to interpret the dreams and when Joseph began to interpret the dreams, he looked at the, ba the baker and said your dream means in three days you're going to be hung and he looked at the butler and he said your dream means in three days you're going to go back to the king's house and in three days exactly as it was, is what exactly as he interpreted was what happened. And as we look at this part, I know that Joseph had to have had the thought, well, Lord, what about my dream? And somewhere in the midst of the darkness, there had to be a consolation of the Spirit of God that came to him. And he looked at the butler and the baker, and he said, when you get back to the king's house, remember me. When you get back, remember me. And we find here that Joseph was then left in this prison. He was left for dead in a pit, sold into slavery, and now he was being left to rot in the prison. And some would think, well, God had forgotten him. And I want to declare today, if you feel forgotten by God and you don't understand why things aren't turning out like God put in your heart, I've come to tell you, hold on just a little bit longer. Believe just a little longer. Have faith 
just a little longer because God is going to do what he's promised to do in your life. Hallelujah. Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 6, to humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself. God always has a plan. <laughs> Woo, how many of you believe it? God always has a plan. Would you just say that? God always has a plan. Come on, he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God always has a plan. I said God always has a plan. We don't always understand why we're having to face what we are, but God has a plan. We don't always understand, Fausti, why we were diagnosed with prostate cancer, but God had a plan. Do you hear me today? We don't know why we're having to walk through that valley, face that lion's den, go through that fiery furnace, but God has a plan. I want you to remember what Jeremiah 29 and 11 tells us, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of, hear me now, and not of evil to give you an expected end. That word thoughts in Hebrew literally means plans, intentions, and purpose. He said, listen, I know the plans that I have for you. I've got intent, that's God Almighty saying it. I've got intentions for you. You're not on this planet just to draw good air God has a purpose listen to me teenagers God has a purpose for your life to give you an expected in it's actually two words the first word expected in Hebrew is defined first of all it's defined as hope but as I begin to look at the definition I found that it also is defined as rope I thought it very interesting that that one word would mean rope and hope and the word end means future how many of you believe God wants to give you hope and a future do you believe it today would you turn to somebody and tell them I believe it come on somebody climb in this thing with me cause the devil's beat some of you down long enough and made you feel like you're gonna die in your battle and in your struggle but I've come to serve notice this morning that God's got a plan I said God's got a plan for your life Hallelujah. Woo. That word expected. Look at it now. It's used 34 times in 33 verses in the King James Version. The first two times that it is used is in the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, it's used in the words that were spoken to Rahab the harlot who was sheltering the men that came to spy out the land of Jericho. Hey, listen to me now. That word was the same word used in Jeremiah 29. And in the Hebrew, that word means rope, hope, future. Listen, stay with me. Now, don't miss this. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 18 and 21, Joshua had sent spies in to determine what was going on in Jericho. And it was there in Jericho that one by the name of Rahab and she was in harlotry. The Bible says that she actually helped the spies 
be able to escape. And in verse 18, it says, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou hast led us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And in verse 21, and she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. That word line there, guess what it is? It's a rope. She bound that rope in the window and that particular rope was of scarlet thread. It was a red, reddish colored rope that was hanging in the window. And it was by that rope, it was by that rope that the spies escaped and it was by that rope they knew where she was at and it was by that rope that all of her family would escape as well. Rahab the harlot was saved by the scarlet rope. She was saved if you would by a thread. She was saved by a rope of hope. Is anybody following me this morning? Can we come back to declare today that God always has a plan? Genesis chapter 41 and verse 14, the Bible says that Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. Let me explain this to you because Pharaoh now has two dreams. And Pharaoh called for the magicians and they could not interpret the dream. And two years after Joseph had interpreted the butler's dream. Now the butler says, oh, hey, hey, wait a minute. I remember this one man, this Hebrew, and, and, and he was in prison, but, but he can interpret this dream. And, and so they sent for him. Notice that, verse 14. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Now, I want you to look at the word dungeon because when we think of prison, each and every one, stay with me, when we think of prison, each and every one of us think of, of bars, right? We think of cells with sliding doors and those. that's not what this was. It was a prison, but it was, it was different. It was something that we need to dig into a little further because here the Bible says that Joseph came out of the dungeon. And the word dungeon in the Hebrew in Genesis chapter 37 as well, verse 28. I'm sorry, let me get ahead of myself. The word dungeon right there actually means a pit hole, a cistern, a dungeon, a pit. So I want you to imagine this as a big pit that was dug and the prisoners were put down in that pit and that's where they would be left. This same word that is used for dungeon in verse 14 is the same word used for pit in verse 28 of chapter 37 where it says Joseph was thrown in the pit. So I want you to grab a hold of the reality that here Joseph both times was in a pit. The first time his, his family threw him in there. The second time the, the, uh, his, his uh, master threw him in there. But these pits were anywhere from four feet and more wide and they'd be 12 feet 
If you can look on the sides over here, these basketball goals are 10 feet tall. So imagine being down in a hole that was two feet taller than that. That's where Joseph was at. He was in this pit. He was in this dungeon. He was in this dark place. He was in what originally had been dug to be a well, but now it was a prison. Now it was a pit. It was a dark place. It was a dry place. It was an empty place. Listen now. But when the king sent for him, the Bible says they hastily brought him out of the dungeon. I believe today that God Almighty is about to bring somebody quickly out of the pit that you're in. That he's about to break some chains off of some folks and bring you into your destiny. Why, Pastor? Because Joseph didn't come out of the pit the first time without a purpose. And he didn't come out of the prison the, the, the second time of the, of the pit without a plan. But now he was divinely positioned to stand in his destiny. And he stood before the king in the palace. And he interpreted the dreams of the king. And the king was astounded so much to the place that he said, I, there is none like unto you in all the land. And he elevated him to the second man in the kingdom and gave him complete control and authority in everything but the throne. And Joseph began to rule and reign as a prince. What started out in a, what started out with, with favor, what started out with blessing and ended up in a pit and in a prison and the enemy saying you're going to die here. How many of you know if you'll just hold on and keep trusting God's plan, he's going to bring you out and there's a palace waiting on you if you'll keep holding on. Oh, I feel it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit this morning. You see, two years, two years, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. After two years, and the dream basically said, going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of fam famine. And we better store up in the seven years so we're ready for the famine. How many of you know that's some good financial advice there that just because there's plenty now don't mean you go and have a shopping spree and spend it all. You know, God may be preparing you for what's coming down the road. You ain't going to have to beg, bar, and plead down the road if you'll be wise today. And, jo and Joseph, he begin to interpret that and this is exactly what happened. Seven years of plenty. They, they begin to store up all through the land of Egypt and then a famine hits. You know the story. After the famine hits there was no more corn anywhere but in Egypt and Joseph's dad Jacob heard there was corn in Egypt and he sent those ten brothers to Egypt to go and buy corn. You remember how it goes. They get there. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize Joseph. He ends up having them put in accusing them I believe of being spies and, and he did it really just to, to hold them for a moment and begin to question where's Benjamin where didn't call him by name but where's your younger is this all of you where's your younger brother he wanted to know his younger brother was okay and in the midst of all of it he, he finally revealed himself to his brethren he forgave them they were restored in relationship and God blessed them and Jacob Israel moved into Egypt and the story continues from there into the
the book of Exodus when we find that Moses was born. And I'll stop right there. But my point is this. God always has a plan. Did you hear me? God always has a plan. That's why Paul said in Romans, come here brother, come on musicians, in Romans 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things, somebody shout all things. Shout all things. He didn't say some things. He didn't say a few things. He said all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Are you hearing me today? Oh, hallelujah. You might be in the middle of a pit. You might be in the middle of a prison. You might be in the middle of both. And you might find yourself wanting to give up, throw in the towel and say it's done. But if I can encourage you this morning to put your trust in the Lord and trust that he has a plan. I said he has a plan and he's going to bring you through your battle. He's going to bring you through that dark time, that low time, that empty time, that dry time. He's going to bring you through. In Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 Solomon said trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Hallelujah. Trust the Lord. Some of you have been speaking doubt. Some of you have been worried. Some of you have been living in fear. You need to trust the Lord. You need to trust Him. Trust the Lord to work His plan for your life. It's not always going to make sense to us. Why? Because His ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes there are setbacks because God is trying to set us up. It's a setback for a setup. Are you hearing me? Joseph felt like he was going backwards, but it was all God's plan to position him for the dreams to become reality. When he stood in Egypt in the palace, God's got a plan for you today. You may have to face a pit and a prison on the way. It may feel like it's taken you a long time to get there. But there's a palace waiting on you. Now don't you leave out of here and go and say, my preacher told me I'm going to be royalty. Only in Jesus. Heirs and joint heirs. Amen. I am telling you spiritually. Huh. As we look at one, Psalms 105, it said that he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. And it's actually a foreshadow of Jesus himself. He was born of a virgin. He took on the form of a servant. He went through the pit and the prison, if you would. Faced crucifixion. Faced death. But he come out victorious over death and hell and the grave. And you see... It says that Joseph, whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. How I many of you feel like you're in the middle of a trial right now? You just need the strength of God. 
in the middle of a battle and you just need the help of the Lord. Peter said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happens to you. But rejoice. See, until the time his word came, listen now, first of all, the word until is harding. How long am I going to have to be in this struggle? Until. Until. You realize for Joseph, some Bible scholars show that it was 17 years. No, I'm sorry. 13, 17 years old. 13 years from the time he had his dream. It's hard waiting sometimes, ain't it? It's hard. But until the time that his word, his word came, that very word there, word. You know, part of it means what you'd think, speech, word, speaking. But when you really dig into it, and there's a lot that goes into that one word. When you really dig into that word in the Hebrew, deber, and that word means matter, cause, business, portion, provision, purpose. Until his purpose came. Until his provision came. Until his cause came. Promise of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the speech of the Lord tried him. Do you believe today God's got a purpose for your life? I want these young people to look at me. Some 12 year olds. Y'all had your birthday yet, you twins? Are you 13 now? 13 year old. Oh, help, help, help mom and daddy, Lord. Aubrey, are you still 12? Still 12? Got Riley's 12. Hannah's fixing to turn 12. Sydney, you 13? 14? All these teenagers scattered through here. Listen to me. God has a purpose for your life. You know, greater, greater than you sitting down at some computer for, and I don't know if they still do this or not, for the educational system to help you figure out what your interests are you need to recognize that God's got a plan for you and some of you are going through some hard times some hard struggles some trials and battles that you don't even understand why you're having to face this God's got a purpose listen to me I went through some things in my young life as a young boy I went through some things even growing up six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. I went through things as a young boy that if hell had had its way, I would have been destroyed by it. The devil would have destroyed me with that. I would have went completely the wrong direction. It would have pushed me on a completely different path. I wouldn't be standing here today. But last week we stood on this platform, and I don't know if any of you can remember what age I got saved at. Where are you at, Noah, Logan? What age? 14. 
At 14 years old, I begin to discover my purpose. I begin to realize that it's not about me. It's about what God has for me. I begin to realize that God had a plan and God wanted to do great things in me. And no matter where life took me, that God would order my steps and God would be right there with me and he would help me. He'd be my strength. He'd help me make good decisions. He'd help me to, to find the one that my soul made. The one God had for me. God had a purpose. A year later, called to preach, God had a purpose. The first time I ever preached, Brother Timmy, actually, I'd have to back up about six months before I really accepted the call to preach because Pastor Hayden, you remember, well, you know the story. The first time that I ever preached, I said, I'm never doing that again. It was like, Fausti, you remember? That ain't for me. And for six months, I ran from the Lord. Until June 26, I was 15 years old. Knelt down in an altar at a youth camp in Mariana, Florida. After the Holy Spirit had sent a word to me by two different individuals that said the exact same thing at two different times, and he said, I just want you to do what I've called you to do. And I realized right then, God has a purpose for my life. And I surrendered to the call. I faced the pit. I faced the prison. I guess if there's anything that we would have to measure up to represent the palace, it would be that of being in, in right standing with the Lord. It's being in the presence of God. It's standing in, in His purpose for your life. It's standing in His calling for your life. It's being that that He's chosen you to be. Today, that verse said, Until the time that His word came, the dreams, the purpose. Your purpose has came today. Mamas and daddies, men and women, young men, young ladies, listen to me. God's got a purpose for you. And I want to tell you something. My purpose didn't start when I got married. My purpose started whenever I finally stepped out of that pit in prison into the calling of God for my life. I didn't wait till I was married to even youth pastor. I started youth pastor at the age of 17 years old. Not because I, I was a good preacher. Not, not because there was anything good about me. The only thing that there was was a dream on the inside. And I had grabbed a hold of what God had given me. And God gave me opportunity through who now is my father-in-law. And I started youth pastoring at a small little church in Bonifay called New Smyrna. And when I began youth pastoring, we had three or four kids. And we watched, we get, we get married. And we watched it grow. One Wednesday night or Tuesday night, we had 76 young people packed in a 20 by 30 youth room. And we saw young people getting saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. God was doing incredible things. Can I tell you something? You're never too young to step into your purpose and you're never too old to step into your purpose. God wants to use you. God wants to do great things in your life. I know the devil's been trying to beat you up and tell you God can't use you, but the devil's a liar. You see, 
verse 20, the king sent and loosed him. Even the ruler of the people and let him go free and made him lord of his house and ruler of his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. You know what the king did? The king sent and loosed him. The king commanded, let him go free. The king promoted him, made him lord of his house, made him ruler of his substance. Hear me today. You see, God has an expected end for you, a hope and a future. A rope of hope and a future. Had little lady named Rahab didn't make sense to her why am I hanging this line in the window why am I hanging this rope this scarlet threaded covered or uh, scarlet threaded rope in the window because that rope is going to be a rope of hope in your life and just as we look with Joseph, Joseph didn't cl never climbed out of the pit himself. You can never get out of the pit on your own. Did you hear me? I said you can never climb out of the pit on your own. But both times they drew him out of the pit. How do you think they drew him out of the pit? They threw him a rope. And he grabbed the hold of the rope. And he began to, they tied it around himself. And they began to pull him up out of the pit. Can I tell you today that there's a scarlet threaded rope that's hanging from glory today into the pit that you're in, into the prison you're bound in. The Lord's thrown you a rope. He's bridged the gap between heaven and hell for you and he's saying today you don't gotta die in the pit. You don't gotta die in the prison. There's a palace waiting for your life. Grab a hold of the rope, the rope of hope that is the blood of Jesus and in your life he's going to draw you out, he's going to quickly and hastily bring you out of that dungeon that you're in and bring you to a place of strength, bring you to a place of joy, bring you to a place of overcoming power he's throwing you a rope of hope see after Joseph was elevated to the palace, he finally became happy. He was given a wife, and he had two children named Manasseh and Ephraim. When you search through the 12 tribes of Israel, you don't find Joseph's name. You find his two sons. You find the 10 brothers, and then you find Ephraim and Manasseh. See, you coming out of the pit or the prison that you're in may very well be what God is going to use to bring your children to a place of promise and a place of blessing. Oh, I feel that in a place of favor. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Ah, I, I believe today that there are some in this place that if you'd just be genuine and real with yourself, you'd be willing to declare, Pastor, I'm in a pit today. I'm in a dry place. I'm in an empty place. I'm in a place there's no water. I'm in a place there's no food. I'm in a place I'm down. I'm discouraged. I feel like I'm going to die right here. I, I'm not trying to hold hold on to the fact that the Lord loves me. I'm trying to hold on and believe that God 
still has a plan. Can I tell you today that he's throwing a rope of hope into your life? The blood of Jesus Christ, that scarlet thread, is enough today to deliver your life from destruction. Grab a hold of the rope this morning. Don't push it away because if you do, you'll die right where you are. God hasn't changed his mind about you. He's still got a plan. He's still got a purpose. He hasn't kicked you to the curb. He hasn't said you're not any good and he can't use you ever again. No. You might be in a pit and you might be in a prison, but I want you to see what's swinging in front of your life right now. And it is a rope of hope and it's the blood of Jesus saying if you'll but call out on the Lord, he'll show up in your life. Oh, a rope of hope. How many are watching us today that have been at their ropes in? Said many times through the years, Jesus would be the knot at the end for you to hang on to. Grab that rope of hope, man. I wish I had a rope. Tie it around yourself. Tug on it. Say, pull me up, Lord. Pull me up. I'm going to die here. Pull me up. Pull me up. Pull me up. I love that verse where it says, they hastily brought him out of the dungeon. <laughs> that pit that had become a prison. Maybe you're here today, your feet are shackled with iron. Your feet are hurting and you're tired and you're weary. And you don't feel like you can put another step in front of the other. Maybe like a dog, the enemy's put a collar around your neck. And he's yanking your chain and pulling you every which way. And saying you'll never get free. Just as with Joseph, that iron entered into his soul. That iron entered into his soul to the point that he said, you know what? I might have to be in this pit, but I'm going to hold on to my God. I might have to face this sickness, but I'm going to hold on to my God. I might be having to walk through this marital struggle, but I'm going to hold on to my God. I might be having to face this financial problem, but I'm going to hold on to my God. I'm going to be determined on the inside that my God is going to bring me through this. My God has never failed, and he's not going to start now. Heavenly Father, I've gone as far as I can go. Lord, I ask you right now, right now in this moment, for you to meet us here. Right now in this moment, for your hand to be applied. For your glory to be revealed in this place. Thank you. 
speak Holy Ghost. Oh. Hallelujah. Have I not told you, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth? I call out unto you in this moment, for I see you in your struggle. I see you in your low times, your dark times. I see you where you're at, yea, my eyes are upon you. And as I call unto you in this moment, I call unto you with a mercy that endureth with a mercy that is everlasting, I call unto you in loving kindness. And I say unto you, yea, I am with thee now. And as my eyes are upon you, do you not know that you are the apple of mine eye? And he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of mine eye. As I call unto you now, know you not that the trouble that you're in, the adversity that you face, the battles that war against your soul, know you not that I am greater. Know you not that I desire to reveal myself unto you as Lord, as Savior, as Deliverer, and as Redeemer. Why? Why are you looking under the things of this world that leave you empty and dry and barren would you not this very moment turn from those things and turn unto me thy God and the creator of thy soul for I and I alone am able to fill the voids of your life turn to me look unto me I have a plan for your life and I will allow it to unfold if you will turn to me this day, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Mighty God. Oh, Jesus. Can we slip hands towards the heavens right now? Come on. Right now, come on, come on, right where you at. He's calling somebody today. There's some that's been playing some games. Some, thank you. Some that have been playing around in your life and looking to the wrong things. He's calling you now. Come to Him. Turn to Him. Look to Him. Come on, who's going to be the first to step out today? and surrender unto the Lord. Maybe there's some husbands and wives that need to come together. Maybe there's some teenagers that need to come right now. Oh, mighty God. There's some mamas and daddies. Come on, church. Come on, now's a moment of surrender for us to turn unto him today. Hallelujah. I believe we need to spend a season of prayer in these altars this morning as the Holy Spirit is drawing. I want to ask every person under the sound of my voice to begin to step out and let's make our way down to this altar. I can add nothing to what has been spoken this morning. If that's not enough to draw us to a place of an altar, I don't know what would be. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Every last one of us in this place, there's plenty of room up here. If you want to come all the way to the stage, if you want to kneel at steps, if you want to 
to come over to this side of the bleachers, but I want us to come. Husbands and wives, perhaps you need to come and pray together. Perhaps today you need to come together and surrender yourself to the Lord and just say, Lord, we're yours. We're grabbing a hold of the rope of hope. We're grabbing a hold of the rope of hope. Come on. Some teenagers need to come this morning and yield unto the Lord and surrender unto the Lord and just let him have his way in your life today. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, mighty God, we kneel before you today. We're grabbing a hold of the rope of hope, Lord. You're our hope. You're our help. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For all these that are in these altars today. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.